I'm in a glass case of emotion. I wish you guys could have heard the conversation we just had off air about 10 minutes prior to. Uh, <laughs> it would make for an interesting conversation, but hey, we were not recording. This is the recording of the Cinema Sessions podcast. Welcome, where this is three film fanatics who happen to also be therapists. We geek out about our favorite films, sharing therapeutic insights, character deep dives, and a healthy portion of non-clinical nonsense. My name is Rick Gutterson. I'm joined today by Kayla Tuttle, Michael Davis. How are you guys doing today? You know, Rick, I'm a little all over the place. You might say I'm flighty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, she does it again. She Man. does it again. I'm feeling patriotic. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Are you proud to be an American, I'm proud to Michael? be an American today. Stand mm. up. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyways. yeah. Uh, well, good, good. I, I cannot wait. I got to be honest. I'm like four months late in seeing this uh, movie. We're going to be talking about today Top Gun Maverick, and I did not originally get to see it at the theater. I actually watched it at home first. But I, oh my gosh, so amazing, right? So uh, super excited to talk about this. Um, one of us, one <laughs> of us. We got him. <laughs> okay, side note for a second, because I'm feeling flighty as well. Uh, when I think about patriotism, I can't help but go to 80s wrestling and think about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got That's his 2 by 4 and his, his American flag. He's like, ho, USA, <laughs> USA. He's... um. He's not in the best physical condition for a, a, a wrestler, and all he wears is these blue tidy whities essentially. And he's got his two by four and his American flag. I feel like if that was the pinnacle of, of like how we celebrate like July Fourth, is just dressed like Axel Jim Duggan, the world would be more patriotic. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, it's spirited. Indeed, less is more. <laughs> Let's, Let's talk about wrestling <laughs> with emotions. <Rick>. Wrestling. <laughs> Okay, well, I don't think Hacksaw Jim Duggan makes an appearance in this movie, uh, but you know who does? He's is in Tom, the bar somewhere. He's, yeah, he's definitely in the bar. He's 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 ordering. He's like free drinks. Let's do this. <laughs> he just shows up. Look, I'm not in the navy, but let's just do he's this. He's got like a huge beer stein, and he's just like, here you go. I, there is a lot of glistening, gorgeous skin in that beach oh, football scene. Oh, maybe he's, he's in the background, yeah. offense and defense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hacksaw, despite him being a pro wrestler, not as chiseled physique as these uh, Navy pilots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, uh, speaking of Hacksaw Jim Duncan, uh, today we're going to be covering <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. And this movie is amazing. Uh, if you have not seen this film yet, you're one of the, like the only five people in the entire United States that hasn't seen it yet. Um, but it's such a powerful film and such a just a, an easy watch. Um, did you guys catch it like like early in theaters or when did you guys first see this movie? Yeah. I can't remember what day I saw it, but I saw it the week it came out. I was, Oh, I don't know. I was watching. Yeah. I saw it, uh, pretty early into release. Yeah. I saw it in the first week as well. I saw it over a a week, I think maybe the opening weekend and it was packed out. Yeah. It was a really, it was a really cool crowd, which was great. It's been great to have some of those moments like post COVID. I mean, we're still in COVID, but like, since sure. COVID is like community building, to have yeah. more of those because a lot of that has been lost. So it's been, it's been cool to see that again. Yeah. It's been interesting. Cause like the, uh, um, just the sheer numbers that this thing has done has been incredible. Like, yeah. it, and, and like how many people like it reaches, right? Cause you don't have, it's been years since I've seen the original top gun movie, but I was just like mesmerized by this. My wife could care less about, she hates Tom Cruise as an actor and she loved this movie. Hmm. So I was like, oh, I, I was like, wow, that's really interesting that I can touch on that many things. It's just such a well-made movie. The interesting thing about this movie is it's just so like, there's so many 
like risks in this film, like from a stunt perspective, um, you know, they're flying real, you know, like plane, not the actors themselves aren't flying, but they're in these real planes. But like Tom Cruise is notorious for his crazy risky stunts in all his movies. He even started a movie called Risky Business, right? <laughs> so just lots of risk is, is, uh, is the thing that came to mind. <laughs> also, yeah. if Hacksaw Jim Duggan played that role, Okay. Uh, <laughs> also wearing blue tidy whities Tom Cruise were a wrestler. Yeah. So, but so, anyways, risky business, right? Um, which leads to my curious question. Excuse me, I have a few more questions if you don't mind. What is the riskiest thing that you've ever done? Hmm. I'm gonna go like adrenaline junkie because of Tom Cruise. He oh. inspires me mm. with his. Mission Impossible Top Gunness. Um, <laughs> it's a clinical term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I went cliff diving once. What? Dane. Yeah, in Hawaii. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to t- t- tell us. Tell us what's going on. There's I'm, no, there's no way we can compete with that. Can yeah. You? Like, <laughs> come on. Could you like lower the bar just a bit? International woman of mystery. Um, this is, is a, a one woman show. show. Yes. I was about to say that. <laughs> Thank you, Uma. I love you. Yeah. I'm so happy I have you as my best friend. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's You're this me huge... Apart. I want to say it's called Black Rock, like the restaurant, not a sponsor. Um, and it's like a huge cliff in Maui. And you can... So you have to, like, swim against the tide to get out there. And then you have to, like... It's pretty perilous because you're climbing and it's all wet with the water and then you're climbing to get up there and then you're jumping like i don't even know how high it is like 30 50 feet off this cliff into the water and oh my gosh it's scary but it's amazing so is it like a do you have a parachute or is it a glider thing like or you're just jumping no i'm just jumping off the cliff into the water you pulled up a coda like you, yeah. like in Coda, they dive into that, like fit off that fifty foot cliff, just That's straight right. into the ocean, oh, or yeah. the lake, or whatever it is. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How long ago was that? That was probably ten years ago. That was wow. the last time I was in Hawaii. Yeah. That's gonna be our, our group activity. We the all last just dive off of I high things. Hawaii, the last time she, she's well. been, she's been so many times. It's hard to keep track. But the <laughs> yeah. last time I was Wayne in. Wednesdays keeps me busy. <laughs> Quarterly uh, visits to Hawaii. It's a very it's a <laughs> very timeshare there. Yeah. Very packed schedule. <laughs> timeshare. Oh uh, what about you, Michael? What's the riskiest thing that you've ever done? I'm not like a huge huge risk taker when it comes to like like you were saying kind of adrenaline things. Um, I was gonna say. Not and I and sincerely don't say this as a flex. I I moved to Detroit when I was twenty two and I didn't really know anybody to start like doing nonprofit work. And I think like looking back, I'm like, oh, that was like pretty ballsy. And it's like, yeah. And and since then, the nearly ten years since then, uh, it's been, yeah. I mean that that this I'm still in the Detroit area, and it's, uh, yeah. That's like had a huge impact in my life. Anyway, yeah. so that's not the probably what you were. Do you climb up your building and jump off of it like Kayla? Yeah, I mean, it's not nearly as crazy as, like, cliff diving or... get nuts! Come on! Let's get nuts! I usually try to... That's how I, you know, try to solicit, like, people joining me. And they're like... <laughs> it's I, just rallying cry. They're like, I have no desire to get some nuts. And I'm like, no? You want to get nuts? Well, I don't. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> I changed my mind. In that case, you should do something else. <laughs> so, yeah, just the risk of moving down. Because, yeah, yeah, that, that's... Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of unknown sometimes, right? And not just the the location but just going out on your own let, yeah you know, not knowing as many people and yeah changing environments and everything yeah, yeah totally uh mine mine's kind of a hybrid um 
initially I was like, oh, mine's more like Caleb, but unfortunately the risk isn't as much on my side. I Years ago when I was in high school, we would go on these like mission trips to Peru every year. And Machu Picchu is this gorgeous place, one of the seven natural wonders of the world or eight, 14, however many there are. Um, I think Hacksaw Jim Duggan is one of the natural gem wonders of the world. Yeah. Right in up Nick there with Cage. Machu Picchu. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> right. And Tom Cruise actually, yeah. Yes, all of them. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, let's just call it, uh, I have some phobias related to heights. Uh, not a big fan of heights. So being up there, it's this mountain that you're doing this bus drive back and forth in this windy road where there's not enough like road to pass by the bus. And so you have spotters that are getting out. If there is a car that's coming, you have to kind of like creep the tire off the edge, uh, just to get by. It's real crazy. So just going up the mountain itself was a, an adventure, but the, the team that we were with wanted to go explore the ruins. And so we, we wanted to go look and it's like, all right, I can muster up the courage to do this. And at the time I was the first year when I was 14, I, I was same height I am now. I was six foot one, 14 year old. So, um, <laughs> and I was really cautious though, because I'm not a huge fan of heights. And so, this one woman who was like four foot 10 and probably in her 60s or so was staying back to help this six foot one, 14 year old who was like crippled by fear. But I was like, I'm going to go on this and see what I can do. So, I remember like going out and starting this hike, looking through the ruins. And then we got to the trail that was going to take you to the very point of this, this uh, beautiful view, but it's kind of a scary thing. As I'm going down, I'm building more and more courage to, to take this hike. And then all of a sudden, I don't, I don't know what exactly happened because I was a little bit further behind, but uh, someone slipped off the side of the mountain and a rock moved and she just fell over the side. And we all screamed. Luckily, there was like a, either a tree or a bush or something that was off the side that caught her. All I could see was like, did someone just die on our missions trip? And then out of nowhere, one of our guides just jumps over the side of the mountain to catch her. And I'm like what is going on? So he jumps down to this tree, pushes her up. He climbs back up. It's like a miracle that all this stuff happened. And I'm like this going like, yeah, I'm going to go back to the hotel now. I'll see you later. But Rick, you're also like at the crux of the hypothetical question. If your friends drop off a bridge, would yeah. you jump off? And yeah. I said, heck no, <laughs> no jump, slip. I don't care. Yeah, I'm going away from the bridge. Right now it's self-preservation. <laughs> I'm going to have some milk actually. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, but my, my adventure, cause we ended going back a couple times. So I went and bought a tour guides, like thing about the map and the history. Mm. And I literally became like a tour guide for our teams in the future. So I wouldn't have to go on this hike, but I became like this expert for anyone who wanted to stay back. I'm like, I'll take you on a tour of the, the ruins and wow. turned a, a weakness into strength. But, um, I will never forget that moment. So I didn't have the courage to actually go on the hike, especially after witnessing apparent, um, almost death. But I would say that everyone was harmed uh, or no, uh, no, they were not harmed. Everyone was they harmed. Were, <laughs> they were not harmed. I love to tell the tale. Psychologically and physically maimed. Yep. Yeah. They left me behind actually it turned into john doe from seven you're a, you're a survivor rick that's what you are it was my carefully calculated plan and i just kind of like set it all up as a trap like the movie seven but no i <laughs> i did not have the ability to uh, f- finish on that so i i started off being risky confronting my own fear and then i folded like a house of cards and went back in and, <laughs> and bought a what, book all to read kevin spacey references yeah, I, you guys it, seven house of cards <laughs> If, what would you do if you were on a hike with Kevin Space? No. Okay. Um, so anyways. Abort. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would leave. Yeah. I'd go drink some milk. So, uh, yeah, that's my riskiest thing. Um, <laughs> our, our stories are a little different from each other. Very different. We can combine them now, into one trip. Now I'm starting to think I should have said a story. I, we crashed a toga party one time when I was. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you should have let. Don't bury I, the lead. I know. I should have said that. Hi. Okay, I'll, I'll describe it really briefly. Okay. Here's what happened. I was, I was in my early 20s. I was in college, and we went out to a lake, and we were out late. We, were, we should not have been 
uh, going like floating in a body of water after consuming alcohol, but some people were. And then we looked up and there was a, like uh, perched up on this hill was this like big old house and like lots of music blaring. And we were like, oh, we should go see what's going on. So we, we got in our car, we drove up there and then we're like checking it out. It's like a private drive and the whole thing. And then turns out we find out, A, it's somebody's 40th birthday party. These are all adults that are just totally blitzed. <laughs> and it's a toga party. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're not in. Which we're not in togas. <laughs> yeah. So we just came in. Hey, you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. We got pretty nuts. <laughs> Nobody, I think people were like, oh, hey, that's cool. And then there was a, anyway, I'll, I'll close it by saying there was a, a moment, like open mic karaoke and my... <laughs> friend who was quite drunk at the time saying the national anthem which was hilarious <laughs> what's well, very patriotic proud which to is be a, american <laughs> tom cruise taco maverick bam yes! we did it Booyah! landed Full the circle we landed, landed the plane, the plane. <laughs> Bye. Pew, pew. <laughs> Oh my like, gosh. Bring well, us home, Rick. Yeah, well, that is, I didn't have to create a segue because there was a natural one in your beautiful toga story. So, um, well, so, okay, so this this movie, Top Gun Maverick, is super patriotic in some aspects, but really what's nice is it doesn't, that's not the purpose of the film, right? But it makes you, it's a feel-good movie, right? I mean, um, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I know that the uh, it just domestically, became the fifth grossest or grossest fifth most disgusting movie of all time yeah. <laughs> yuck uh fifth highest grossing very different from grossest it's a it's a body horror about tom cork tom cruise oh, no. um no fifth highest grossing film of all time i think it was like 700 million michael do you have those figures yeah let me pull it up so domestically 709 million dollars that's crazy internationally 754 million dollars worldwide gross 1.463 billion dollars so it is the what do we say i think it's the all time it's like the 11th highest grossing movie of all time it, it makes Which sense it's higher domestically than than internationally based on it being kind of an american patriotic kind of yes very much so. film but still i did not know i didn't see those kinds of figures coming i mean that's you really crazy. gotta salute them for making this movie <laughs> She is here all week. <laughs> well, before we start to jump into the specifics, Kayla, why don't you give us a, a quick synopsis of the movie Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, so this movie, we are seeing Maverick returning to the academy to teach new recruits. Um, there's this very dangerous mission that he has experience in. They talk about dogfighting and all these other um, aircraft kind of procedures that he has working knowledge of from his past that we saw in the first Top Gun. And he is returning to teach some of the best recruits all over the country how to fly this mission that they will have to go into perilous danger for. It's crazy. Like at first you just see like the map that they're drawing out of here's the mission. And it's it's impossible. Yeah. And then you actually it's like you merge Top Gun with Mission Impossible. It's like the franchise is blended into one film. Um so uh yeah I mean this film was like so incredible. And before we dive into the specific like aspects of the film the question i have is like seeing the success of this film box office wise and what drew all the people back in do, do you think this is anything about like the nature of uh the movie going experience in the theaters going forward like this has this movie has a it's it's i guess like a feel-good movie it has a happy mm -hmm. ending it, mm -hmm. it feels good to go 
Whereas other films, like you go and it's super somatic, but it, it may be darker or deeper or has that twist ending that kind of leaves you with a gut punch, right? Like, do you think this speaks to the types of films that are going to be start to be produced more and more? Mm. Yeah, I really like too, like how it it takes. I think not to this is not political or whatever by any means, but like some very like American movies have an agenda mm-hmm. in mind, and this one yeah. is really just like heartwarming. Like yeah. it's really not trying to push like freedom or we're the best or like whatever it is like it's just really like a relationship story yeah yeah and you feel good about like the relationships and the sense of accomplishment and you know doing something bigger than yourself i mean this is an impossible mission Mm -hmm. and coming together and doing that i think it's incredible i was just curious like what do you think michael yeah i was gonna say i mean so a couple things that this movie has working for it one it's the nostalgia factor i mean the the first top gun like you, you know previously on this podcast we did uh back to the future and I think a lot of people think of the, the original Top Gun similarly. Like, just, like, maybe not quite as, like, high up on people's list, but mm-hmm. some people just love classic. it. Classic. It's yeah. a classic. Everybody's seen it. Tom Cruise, the whole thing. Peak, like, of his powers in the 80s, you know? Which is also just crazy that it's it, this movie came out in 2022, and he's still doing his thing. Like, he's yeah. had a long career. <laughs> he's and, immortal. And, yeah, and he's know. handsome. He is handsome, and I don't know if he ages at all. But uh, my pants. Yeah, and so he's got that like Tom Cruise run where he's just like, <laughs> like short arms and he's just like booking it, you know. It was like, watching no. him try to do it in the big uniform with his, carrying his gear. Still, it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, he tried so, his hardest though. I think the nostalgia factor. I think it is just like a feel good movie, and I think it. You know, it, yeah, I think there we're gonna find some therapeutic themes and some depth and relationships. But I think if you wanted to, this is just like heck yeah, like. Flying like planes flying fast and yeah, like missiles blowing things up. Yeah, and like you know, pretty girls in the bar and you know, pay for drinks <laughs> and woo, America. You know, like that's all I you need. You gotta let me fly. There's yeah. something for everyone. There's something for everybody. That's right. Oh my gosh. Well, while we're here, let me just put you on the spot. Then, like, love getting your your spontaneous movie scores. So, Michael, what is your spontaneous movie score for Top Gun? Michael. Michael. You guys ready for this? Oh. It's a 10 out of 10. Oh, my gosh! What? It's a... I drive a Dodge Stratus! I do! It, it's it's a perfect blockbuster. Wow. It is, it's oh a perfect It's blockbuster. an ace. Wow. It, it's an ace in the hole. That's right. Again, it's, piloting terms or tennis? Piloting terms, obviously. Oh, yeah. I thought maybe there was a shift to tennis. I didn't know if we were talking tennis. Like an ace, un- Maverick. Unreturnable oh, yeah. serve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what an ace this is. This movie's an unreturnable serve. Yeah. If you were, like, scratching, you know, tennis off your... Cinema Sessions bingo card. <laughs> Boy, oh, tennis my, talk. Got it. Okay. That's Merch, a good idea. Cinema odds, Sessions bingo card. That's right. Get ready. How many tangents will they go on and obscure topics <laughs> will they bring up? 47. That's right. No, it, this movie is great. It's just, it's feel good. You know, say what you will about Tom Cruise. I, I just think he's so, in like Mission Impossible and, and Top Gun, he's just so watchable. And, you know, we've talked about Miles Teller. He's great. He's one of my favorite, like, under 40 actors. He's phenomenal. Glenn Powell, the guy who plays, um, is Hane Man the, the yeah. main mm-hmm. villain? Yeah. He's just it's so, so smarmy and, like, ah! and, mm-hmm. like, he's great. And, like, it's got the nostalgia. And, like, you know, with the Val Kilmer stuff and how they, yeah. like, played that up with Iceman. Um, John Hamm, you know, going great to, like, Don, it up. Don hey, Draper to, like, you know, just, like, oh, here's this, you know, I don't know, straw man for, like, an, in, you know, military industrial complex and like oh you can't do what you want and like tom cruise is like no i'm gonna do what i want you know it's yeah like, He's yeah like, okay you know the, there's like the it's it's like the the kind of innocent sense of rebellion that mm-hmm. like you know kind of gets yeah. evoked like oh i can feel like i'm like pushing the envelope and like doing my thing but it's not like 
oh crap, like people died or, you know, this turned yeah. really, you know, Maverick develops crippling depression or something. It's not like so dark. <laughs> that would be so <laughs> The follow-up. <laughs> Top Gun Very. depression. <laughs> oh my gosh, movie. there's so many just Top Gun, so many inherent ways you could take that. Depression, suicide. Yeah. Oh no. 100%. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and none of which we are going to take. <laughs> no, but perfect. Yeah. So it's like this this popcorn movie, super accessible. I mean, if you went to the theater and you were like, eh, that was okay. I'd be like, all right, man, listen, like, what are you after here? Come on. Like that scratched every, every itch, checked every box. You feel good. Like, and just even at the, we won't get into it right now, but like the ending and you think it's going to end and then there's like a whole other part mm-hmm. with like a submission and you're like, what? I, I, I just like, it's loud and fast. And it's just like, come on, man, power cinema, you know, put it in my veins, call me a sucker. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I had seen Beautiful. it first at home and then, uh, uh, got the chance to actually go see it during the day at the theater. My wife was off work. And so, uh, we went and watched the movie. And I was like, I loved it just as much, if not more, the second time, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen, because it was just like something I had to see on the big screen. I was so glad I got to catch it, you know, before it left theaters. But yeah, so powerful. It's just like the amount of like the cinematography and the the, the practical effects is just amazing. Um, the question I had for you guys, I want to throw out is like, is this the best Tom Cruise movie ever? Oh, I mean, there's there's some that came to mind, but I mean. You can't deny the, the the box office and the feel that the the vibe around this film. Is it's there anything there. that comes to mind that it's, that, it's that competes? The, I interview with a vampire. Oh, oh hot of course. Take. That's such a Kayla answer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean very different tone of a movie. But if we're just like objectively, I mean, yeah, very. I love this film. Yeah, and I also love. Vampires. vampires. Again, <laughs> we merged yeah. Mission Impossible Top Gun. Could we merge Interview with a Vampire with Top Gun? I could do it. Give me give me some time and I'll do it. <laughs> hey, Top Gun will... Hey, bats fly. There's yeah. your first. Oh, okay. Top, okay. So there's like the bat. Top Gun will raise and then, your... And then Robert Pattinson's Batman. Oh. And then he's also in Twilight. Like, there's just a lot you could tie in there. Top Gun will... <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun will will raise your blood pressure, and so will and then I'll Tom bite your veins as a vampire. <laughs> oh, gosh, well, it's interesting. Uh, my my f- prior to this movie, my favorite Top Gun, or my favorite Top Gun movie, uh, was the other. Was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I've never said anything more clinically, like educationally sound than that. Prior to this film, my favorite was the other one. The only other one. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that exists. <laughs> I, I mentioned this in a previous episode. I am a genius. <laughs> You are. Um, no, I think my favorite Tom Cruise movie up to this one was uh, Edge of Tomorrow. The one that has like 15 that's, different names. Honestly, that's oh, what I was about yeah. to say, Rick. That one is so good. Oh, it's so And, and yeah. it would be very different from your guys' combinations, but if you combine that with Top Gun, yeah. the element of redoing your day over, right? you could crash a million times as you're playing. Who cares? Yeah. Go after those fifth-gen fighters Stakes and just start tomorrow over, over again. Yeah. That's a great pick. I was gonna say, I mean, there are other ones like Jerry Maguire. Is oh, like, you know, you know actually, classic. I probably would pick Jerry. Yeah. That was that was maybe other than Top Gun, maybe one of the most impactful in his career. Like making Tom Cruise like a capital T thing, like yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Mission Impossible is great. Mission, of I mean, course, the whole series. Yeah, I mean, he is consistently one of the most bankable people, and like, I don't think they don't. You know, we've talked about Miles Teller is a great actor, Whiplash, and all these movies, mm-hmm. but. People aren't going to see this movie for Miles Teller. They're going to see it because it's Tom, Tom freaking Cruise, right, yeah. right? Right. And like that is like that movie star quality. You, they just don't make them like that anymore. Is I, there anybody else in in Hollywood that you think 
I don't think there's anyone that's, that tops him. Is there any other name that comes to mind? Like this, this person, and just because they're in the movie is the draw. I feel like I would have said Denzel Washington, maybe. Uh, yeah, so kind of like newer age Denzel, like Idris Elba is a big pull. I feel oh, like interesting. I, I see the only thing I would go. I like them as actors, but I don't think they're doing the numbers right. Like yeah, so not on the same level. Nothing is going to match this Top Gun thing. Um, but someone like The Rock. Yeah. Like you oh could, yeah. You you sure. You don't care what he's in. Just like oh, Rock's in a movie. I'm going to go see it. At least for me, like as yeah. far as like this kind of same mold. There's other dramas that we've talked about in the past, like Lean Love. That probably. I think if you put Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a movie, <laughs> I will go watch it. No, I was gonna say that's why you love The Rock is because Loki used to be a wrestler. Oh yeah. I feel like too there are some comedy actors like that too. Like I think of yeah. like like Jack Black. Yeah. Is Will one Ferrell of back like, in the day. Will Ferrell, yeah. Paul Rudd. I was gonna say uh, like Chris Pratt. Maybe like doing like the yeah, Jurassic World yeah. plus sure. like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Like I don't he's kind of on his run. Some of the Marvel yeah. guys. You know? It's interesting. We we could try to sit here and name all these people all day long. Like no one is touching the Tom Cruise aspect still, which is oh, crazy. Sure. Thirty yeah. plus years later, that he's still the draw. Like Tom Cruise in a movie, I'll go see it. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, the the thing that so you mentioned this like Miles Teller's acting performance is amazing in this film. So good. Tom Cruise is a draw, but to me, after watching it a couple of times now, like. I would go back again just to watch the practical effects. To me, that mm. actually was so much of a draw. Like the cinematography, yeah. it felt like I was in old school, like bef- uh, you know, like IMAX theaters before they were showing actual movies, and they're doing like those like documentaries. Yeah, like it felt so real. The only film I could think of that had that same kind of practical amazement was like a Mad Max mm-hmm. Fury Road, but that doesn't have the story or the plot like this has. Sure. Yeah, I, I, that combination of story plot and then like amazing blow your mind like effects was just like well, and the crazy thing. So they had real pilots piloting these planes, and they had the actors. They went up there, and the way that the cameras worked, I, I saw something with Joseph Kaczynski, the director. Afterwards, after, you say you went out with him afterwards? Yeah, just for like, we just grabbed not, a, some sandwich show, real quick. Not quite Wayne Wednesdays, but I'm you know <laughs> you might get an invite, director like for days. a special event or something. Yeah, just low key. No, but I, I saw an interview with him, and so they would shoot all this footage and then you know the guys would come down and then they like they wouldn't know what they had until yeah. they'd have to go through and like watch kind of the dailies and then like see oh no we actually need you to go do xyz again or something like that you know it was so, fat. there's that scene where miles teller actually hits his head or like kind of accidentally ejects a little bit from his seat because the, the the plane shifts real quick and catches him off guard and that was real Mm. It was because they can't, they couldn't change the footage. So they're up there recording. The director doesn't know what's going on. Yep. Just trusting his actors, which is another like amazing thing about the film. Like the director isn't super experienced. He has a very small resume yeah. and made this amazing because he just trusted his people. Yeah. And, and so, but yeah, you get some shots. There's that. And then the beginning of the film, when Ed Harris comes out, there's that flyover by Tom Cruise when he's trying to get his thing out. So good. <laughs> and it goes so fast that it blows the top off of the little check-in stand. Yeah. That was like real. Like that was an accident. They only had one shot at that flyover. Oh, and it wow. happened to accidentally destroy the 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 uh, uh, the set there. And they're like, well, that's what we have to use. <laughs> so we're going to go with it. So you rewatch it. It's like, how did the roof of this thing pop up in the air by a foot and a half and then come back down? Yeah. It's fascinating. But I just, I love that. I think that that to me is makes it just as rewatchable as the performances. The story is just how incredible it is to watch these. Like you feel like you're in the airplane fighting these uh these uh, fighter jets it's amazing yeah kayla what what are some things about the film that stands out to you just as a film lover because we all have very different tastes in films yet we mm-hmm. all love this film mm-hmm. yeah i i think something you just said kind of like sparked this um so something we've talked about before is like anima animus energy like young and stuff 
I really think this film does a really good job balancing masculine and feminine energy in mm. a sense. Okay. Of like it has the like I mean in traditional sense. Yeah. But like the explosive action, eye catching stuff, but also like the heart. Mm-hmm. Like the real yeah. like the really the doer stuff, but then like the feeler stuff too yeah. of like the the nurturance and the relationships and coming together. Like I, I really do think it's a film for everyone. Yeah. It's like Armageddon way. that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's the beach football that does it. Yeah, yeah it, no, it, it you're right. It, it is like there's so much heart in this film that's like packaged as this amazing action. I think that's why it, it did so well, but also that way, like all these people who have all these diverse interests all came to say this movie was amazing mm-hmm. is because like, there's so many feels and so much like emotional depth to it, even though it's also about exploding things. Yeah, it appeals to everyone. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So, um, I wanted one more question uh, in the context of this, like the, the, the movie itself here. Um, Cause I was just thinking about like the, the key kind of component of this film is like Tom Cruise is, uh, well, I shouldn't say a component. The key like breakthrough in this film is when he's trying to essentially teach these, these students and he's constantly showing them like failure and he's trying to test their limits. But they're failing, 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 and eventually gets pulled off the teaching and now John Hamm's like, I'm taking it. I changed the boundaries of it. And it basically yeah. tells these students, like, he doesn't believe in us. Mm-hmm. So then Tom Cruise, like, he has that scene with Jennifer Connelly, who's uh, Penny, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And um, she's like, you'll figure out a way. And all of a sudden, he shows up out of nowhere and runs the, the course himself. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, he can't find the words to teach them, but he just shows them. So it made me think about just, like, professionally for us, like, what is the most impactful teaching method or really change method as therapists, right? Is mm. what's, we can teach people stuff that we've learned from a, from a book or p- tools or principles or things that we've learned from other clients or passed along, or we can show like, let me do it or let me show you how I've done it. Yeah. Like, the amount of hypo- hypocrisy I've seen in therapeutic or caregiving settings in general of like, you can teach someone time management and mindfulness and, you know, like taking time for self care. And then you look at some therapist calendars and they're mm. like, I saw nine clients back to back with no breaks for myself. And it's like, is that really good to be showing people that you're just going to run yourself ragged? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Like where you're not actually doing the nurturance of yourself to show up for these things. I think that's, a, that's a great example. Like, and, or the flip side of it is like, if you've been through something that this client has been through something and you've come out victorious or you've shown major change or improvement, that might be more effective than teaching them a theory or a tool to inspire change and hope, just like Tom Cruise is doing in this thing of like, Hey, I could try to teach you this stuff, but he throws away the manual and literally goes, I know you've lost all hope. And now we're about to put your lives in danger. I'm going to show you this is possible because I'm going to do it myself. But he puts his life on the line to do it. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing. And that was what inspired the change in the belief in them more so than like him teaching the textbook that he threw away. Yeah. I just thought there was a lot of parallels in that. What do you think, Michael? We've talked about kind of the, like the lines of, of self-disclosure as a therapist, right? And like, where is that helpful? Where is that not helpful or, or not appropriate, et cetera? And that idea though, I mean, we each have a story and, you know, like you've talked about like being in the grief and loss world. You've talked a lot about identity stuff and going through, you know, whatever in your background too, like my own story. Like we've all got things that sometimes you can kind of like take off the therapeutic hat a little bit and to be like, hey, just as like a human being, I've been through some stuff myself and I'm, like I'm with you. I hear you in your story, and you know, almost kind of like yeah, it's it's possible. Like mm-hmm. we can get, like we can move forward through this stuff. I think sometimes that can be a powerful example as opposed to just like oh, just tell me about it. 
or just yeah. explain it, you know, but like you're saying with Tom Cruise in this movie is like, no, I'm going to get in the plane, like do the thing, you know? And he's kind of like, Hey, if you guys can beat me, great. But like he shoots everybody down in that one montage mm-hmm. and they're all like, Oh, and they have to do all the pushups, you know, cause they're all like super cocky and it, yeah. Yeah, I, I love, too, how John Hamm, when he starts teaching, and he's kind of, like, changing the parameters of the mission, and they're like, it's not going to, you know, they've been doing this mission for weeks, and they're like, yeah. that's not going to work because Maverick was showing, like, we need these other things. And he's like, yeah, but it's, like, less safer. And, like, then, like, Maverick is literally, like, showing them how it's done, mm-hmm. how you can do it. You know, think about the, the things that he changed. Uh, when I was looking at it, he, he went, the mission parameters were, you have to accomplish this by two minutes and 30 seconds. He Otherwise, yeah. you give them time to come scramble their, their fighters and to shoot you down. Yeah. And when John Hamm, all he does is change a number from 230 to four. It instantly communicates, I don't care about you. I care about yeah. the results. Well, yeah. even You're when expendable. Even when they're walking through the mission and he's like, we did da, 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 and we did it and then we get the package and then Maverick's like, and get them home. And, and exactly. like he keeps saying that. He's like, that's the yeah. most important part that you're missing here. Yeah. He showed, and that's, that's, that's why I thought like, it's, it's kind of a, a, an odd thing, but there are some th- therapy styles in here that you can pull out of like the way that he cares for people. Mm. He, he may not be the traditional teacher, but he's showing being effective. One, he's legitimately concerned about them coming home just as much as the mission results. Yeah. And then also going like, I want you to show, I want you to see this as possible. I'm willing to put my life on the line. Yeah. And then, um, and then obviously you get into the final scene, right? When they're actually doing the battle and he puts his neck on the line and ultimately saves Rooster from getting shot down and sacrifices himself yeah. in order to do that. Did you guys think he was dead at that point? Or did you guys think he was, I, I was 50, 50. I 0% thought he was dead. I was like, there's no way they're killing Tom Cruise off in this. No, he has that a really good, thought. like rise from the ashes quality. Like they're not gonna, I wasn't sure. Cause I was like, Miles Teller is a strong like, enough actor to, to pull off the okay what do i do from here and then mm-hmm. you see his character the change. nostalgic like right yeah and like what if he dies but like yeah it could still be powerful and moving and yeah not nearly as quality of a film but you guys see the most recent uh remake the red dawn remake with chris hemsworth Mm-mm. of course you haven't because that's what i do i watch cheesy mediocre action films i love but it but there's a similar dynamic i won't tell you what characters but there's a there's a couple of characters where it's like don't uh, spoil it <laughs> yeah it's like all of a sudden it's like this character be- takes the lead because of some unexpected events and it's like whoa i didn't see this coming right mm. so so i saw that i was wondering if something like that could happen but i did i thought for sure some of these characters were going to be taken out and the fact that it didn't i think also leads to that feel-good nature of like everyone made it Mm-hmm. which is really powerful. Um, what is, do you guys have a favorite moment in this film? There's so many to choose from. Do you have a favorite? Um, yeah, I, well, one of them is like when he shows the students how it's done, like yeah, this impossible mission absolutely. can be carried out. I think that's, there's a lot of really great moments in this film. Um, I, I, we're kind of laughing about it, but the beach scene, like I, I just, <laughs> I just so love good. like how, what it communicates of like, they're like when John Hamm shows up and he's like, what are you doing? And you know, we have to do the mission and they need to be prepared. And he's like, you told me to make a team and that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Like, this is what they needed. They needed to step away and see that they care about each other outside of this mission. Like they're not a textbook. They are people and you need to treat them as such. Yeah. Are yeah. you sure that's your only motivation? I mean, and there's no guy liner though. So they, they're pretty nice to look at. They're not my type. I'll say that. A little bit more Ken doll. You don't yeah. prefer 60-year-old men um, <laughs> all greased up? <laughs> I mean, look at Robert Pattinson. When he turns 60, <laughs> they'll make a Top Gun remake with Robert Pattinson, and then Caleb yeah. will be all in. Scrawny. Pale. No pale, muscles. 
intelligent, long hair, computer nerd geeks. Just negligence when it comes to self-care. Just, you know, yeah. my guys that I like, they're never cracking the sexiest man alive. I'll tell you that. I like, I like them niche, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm very specific. <laughs> That's I have a particular set of taste in men. That's my Liam Neeson person. Yeah, no, it's like terrible. Uh, Michael, what is your, uh, do you have a, like a favorite moment in the film? Oh man. So the first one that came to mind, so from the first time watching it to the second time watching it, I, I distinctly remember the uh, Miles Teller when he gets in the bar, like, you know, and like the uh, stereo plugs out and he sings Great Balls of Fire. Oh, that's so oh, and, it, yeah. and then it shows Tom Cruise reaction, yep. looking oh. in and he thinks of um, Goose. Goose. Goose doing it. And then it also throwback to my girl Meg Ryan. Forgot that Meg I Ryan forgot was that in she the was in the first yeah, one. Yeah, she's the romantic oh, yeah. interest for uh, for Goose. And so, um, and so yeah, Miles Teller's mom. Hashtag who, grieving for Goose. Hashtag <laughs> Amen, brother. Grieving for Goose. The five K is the next go, weekend. Start the GoFundMe. Do <laughs> <laughs> we have to start a memorial fund thirty five years later after a fictional character died? <laughs> that was some, that would be something Michael Scott would do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for the cure. For the Did he cure. die from rabies? <laughs> Anyways, okay, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So I just love that scene. That whole thing is great. I just can see just the, the pacing of this movie is awesome. Uh, when he first walks in and he just, he has all the, you don't even see Tom, it's like from like his like waist view and it just, you could see all the guidebooks and then he gets to the front of the room and he mm-hmm. just tosses them. You're like, yeah come yeah, on yeah. it reminds me so much of dead poet society yes. when robin williams yes. like stands up that's a great show like, rip out your t- rip out the textbook yeah. and then he like stands up on the desk and yeah it, right. rem- and it he, was that vibe his sure. first line is like you know something to the effect of like yeah you guys know this inside out you know who else does like your enemy yeah not be good enough so good and, and then just dumps it and like all these guys are and gals are like the best best of the best mm-hmm. best of the best they're all like you know the top you know top gun top one percent right yeah. the elite and he's like you guys don't have it yeah it, so like, like but he does as you talked about he's like a really like positive constructive teacher um yeah it, yeah just the fact that he gets in there with him or with them i think the montage where he's shooting them all down and then like i said where, where they're all having to do the push-ups afterwards it's just like gosh that wily tom cruise he still got it you know and i know i love those montages i know they're so like cheesy and cliche and there's like one or two of those in every movie of this ilk but i'm a sucker they're so effective though i'm I'm like i want to go youtube it right now yeah so good come on i think my favorite moment might be it's just i mean the big ones the big set pieces are my favorite overall you know but if i had to pick just a tiny little moment um after Tom Cruise is shot down and then Miles Teller gets shot down saving him and you see this thing and you think there's going to be this like emotional embrace of like, thank you. Instead, he just pushes <laughs> him, shoves him over. Yeah. <laughs> just tells him, what are you doing? And they just start yelling at each other in the middle of like this like enemy territory. I just thought that caught me off guard. It was really funny, but it was also just like, you see, they still have this unresolved conflict. They got to figure out. And it was cool. I loved that they go, we need to get these two characters in a perilous situation to work through their yeah. stuff. Like that, that choice was really cool. Cause it could have been like, I forgive you. I forgive you too. Yay. It's like, no, no they, like, had to they be didn't have something. that. They had to go through something where they had to work together in order to, to figure it out here. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, I just give you guys some behind the scenes information. Michael is practicing sign language at me right now. Oh, his headphones came out. That's what's going on. I was like, I don't know what just happened. Uh, uh did you mute yourself? 
This is ex- exceptional audio for you guys to try to figure out. You're good? Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I just look over out on the side of my eye and Michael's trying to do like a mimery sign language <laughs> thing, pointing and like tapping his elbow and flicking things through the air. I was, like, just, a, I was like a third base coach in baseball. And I'm like, like, let me just try to power through it as I'm sharing my point that makes no sense anymore as I'm trying to figure out what his needs are. It reminds me in the film when they're trying, like when they get the enemy plane and they're oh. making the signals at them <laughs> yeah. and he's like, what is this? And he's like, I have no idea. And he's like, thumbs up. <laughs> that's, that's exactly and he's like, what just happened. Let's go forward. And that's he's awesome. like, uh, that's exactly that's what just happened. He's giving me three fingers, four fingers, <laughs> straight forward. And I'm going, thumbs down. I'm just waving to him. That's such a great shout. Oh my what's he saying? I don't know. He's pointing to the mixer. He's pointing to the plugs. He's rubbing his tummy. I don't know what's going on. Like, are you hungry for electrical cords? I don't understand. Cookie monster? What yeah. Is that? yeah. No, it's just, I accidentally unplugged his headphones or something. Yeah. So anyways, um, I, there's so much more to talk about, like from a filmmaking perspective, but I want to shift gears into like therapeutic stuff because the plot has, it, it could go as deep or as shallow as you want, right? There's, there's stuff that's just, this is an amazing film, but if you unpack like the character motivations, there's actually a ton there that's really driving these things, right? I mean, at the, the big element that they build this whole movie off of is 30 years later, you know, Maverick is still trying to figure out how to process the death of his, his wingman goose. Right. Yeah. And, and then you also now have goose's son who they then mentioned briefly that also has lost his mom at some point. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have this, essentially this orphan. Um, it's, it's a term that people use a lot of time in, in the grief world. Like I, I didn't know it at first, but like a lot of people who have lost parents, even as adults, they'll refer to themselves as orphans. Um, and I get what they're saying as far as the sentiment of like, who do I go to? I'm now the oldest in my generation. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you essentially have this young adult who doesn't have the guidance of parents and Maverick is kind of trying to fill that role. So there's this crazy emotional core at the root of it that affects all these different characters. But I just wanted to throw out a couple of themes. Typically we each pick, here's the one theme, but they're all so interconnected that I just wanted to kind of walk through a few different things. Like, so when we talk about like that dynamic, what are some of the things that really stood out to you regarding that relationship or more importantly, the, the, let's just start with it, resentment, right? Cause mm-hmm. that's really at the crux of, I can't do this mission because I pulled rooster's papers and yep. he resents the crap out of me. And I'm also holding the secret that his mom didn't want him to serve. And so in order to protect his feelings towards her, I never disclosed that she was the reason I pulled them, not just me being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's so much resentment at the core of this film. Like, what what comes to your mind when you heard that theme or saw that in the film? Yeah, that anger of like Miles Teller's character, Rooster. He's like, I'm I'm trying to follow in the footsteps of my dad and and I'm an amazing pilot and like I can do all these things. I'm trying to be a lot like you, Maverick, really. Mm-hmm. But why are you standing in my way? Like there's just mm-hmm. in coupled with he thinks that he killed his dad or got his dad killed. Yeah. Is the underlying belief. Yeah, that's the number one. Is like you're the reason why my dad's not here anymore. Yeah. The blame, right? right? The, yeah. the anger, the bitterness, like yep. you are solely responsible. Like, and also from a young age of yeah. like, I mean, the, the subtext is like, I never had a dad to walk me through life. Mm-hmm. And it's your fault. And it's your fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that is such a relatable thing and it doesn't have to be just with, you know, death at a young age, but that is you, f- you create your own narrative when you don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So then here's the narrative. I believe, I believe this man is to blame. And then I have more evidence that shows like, not only is it the blame for, for the death of my father, but also he's to blame for my career stagnation right. or being held back by four years. Like this constant like bitterness and resentment towards this guy. And it's probably the chip on his shoulder that he needs to drive through to be successful. But at the same time, it's like you can see that it affects him in a major 
way because his inability to like even function around this individual or to do it in spite of him as a teacher. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting to think of like would he be as good or ambitious of a pilot in the Navy if he didn't have that loss like mm -hmm. because that's his driving force. Mm. Yeah, well you see that motivate so many people in different ways, right? Some people shrink back mm -hmm. after a loss like that or yeah. they, they lose parts of themselves and kind of because they don't want to experience there's that fear of failure or unknown or pain. So I withdraw from all of that to protect myself. And there's others who use it as like, I'm become overly you know, ambitious, overly achieving because I won't let anything stop me from being this person, but at the expense of like their care and their love and their relationships and stuff. So there's yeah. so many different ways that people handle those things. But so you see him take that success, but there is the clue of like, he's still really cautious. Like yeah. he's the slowest essentially of all these right. pilots. He's really methodical. Like he's still thinking through. And he's, he, I mean, at several junctures, he's, he's looking out for the other people on the team. He really is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which other people aren't right. Like right. Hey, hangman, hey he's like, you're slow. Like, yeah. You know, say, hangman saying that to uh, rooster and you know, so they're all kind of like, go, go, go. And he, he's like, no, because it, I think it means more to him that like, yeah, my, my dad died on a mission like this. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I got to look out for my wingman. Like, Ugh, we're in this moments together. moments you know? when Maverick's like, do you have an excuse that will make sense to the oh, family? Yeah. Oh, my God. I have goosebumps yeah. even just yeah. thinking of that of, like, not good enough. Right. right. Yeah, the, the teaching aspect of the humanity. Like, he's like, I, I care so deeply getting these guys home. I need them to feel that, not just learn how to fly the plane. Sure. Going back yep. to the to the rooster piece, um, it, is, it is very interesting that, like, he is – because of his losses, he's very aware of what other people would experience. And if the other pilots haven't experienced that type of loss, even if it's not like their family member, if it's other you know, pilots and stuff that they're going to not be as aware and they might not yeah. be as cautious or as like compassionate, but mm -hmm. it is, it is very common for anyone who's experienced loss, you know what that pain is like, and it's easier for then you to think on a different level about something like that. And, and, and it can, that can apply to anything like someone who's been through trauma, someone who's been through um, divorce, someone who's been through any kind of, you know, significant life event that changes you, you now become more compassionate and more aware potentially of those situations. And you see that play out with, with rooster in this movie very much. So where he's, he's got a different piece to him as a pilot. Mm -hmm. um, what are some other themes? Cause there's so many things that are connected that we, what are some other things that stand out to you guys along those lines that you see primarily presented through that relationship? Yeah. Kind of going along the lines of resentment. I, something that really, sparked in my mind was the kind of concept of survivor's guilt okay. and just like how it's handled um, differently. So like survivor's guilt, meaning like if you go through a traumatic experience or you lose someone really close to you, the sense of like, should have been me, it should have been me. Yeah. Why do I get to keep on living or succeeding or whatever when this other person lost life? Like they mm. don't get to have the same quality of life or any life that I now get to have. Um, and just to see be, because Goose was so important to so many of these characters, like how they're living their life in spite of that, of like, of course, like Maverick's like, I'm going to use this to teach and I'm going to, you know, make them feel what I felt and so that it prevents them from making the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, but just, yeah, like what they're wrestling with, like how that drives them and just how it gives meaning to their life of either like, I know like client-wise, sometimes people can go into overdrive of like, I have to, you know, be my life and their life, like, you know, following mm -hmm. like the loss of like, I have to make up for this person or mm -hmm. it, like, it can also go the other side of like minimizing your own. Like, yeah. I'm not going to have any successes because like, who am I to say that my life is more important than theirs? So I'm just going to, you know, like shrink into the background. Mm -hmm. 
the, the term is slipping my mind, but I remember years ago when I was doing research in grad school and um, on uh, different types of losses and some of the unique factors of them, one of the terms or one of the situations that kept coming up over and over again was similar to that survivor's guilt, but like the comparison of if, if, a, if, if parents have lost a child and either them accidentally projecting that image of that child on the other survi- oh, uh, uh, the other survivors, right, yeah. of the other siblings, or one of the siblings kind of subconsciously taking on the persona of that person to try to fill that role or that void mm-hmm. and no longer living just themselves out, but living out like the other person as well and kind of blending here's who they used to be and here's who I am. and Like parentifying a little bit in family mm-hmm. terms. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, getting to Rooster, like, his dad is his pilot. He dies traumatically. You know, the kid grows up without a dad. Like he becomes a pilot. Like, yeah. Does he Who become, looks exactly like his yeah, father. Yeah. Movie. With the mustache, the whole thing. Like, does he become a pilot like that? If his dad weren't one, right? right. Like how much is he sure. doing something for himself versus how much is he following the dad's footsteps? Yeah. His legacy. Could he have been a wonderful piano player? Classical musician. That's if right. It weren't for that. That's right. Hey, side note. Did you know he was actually playing that in real life? Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I know he mm-hmm. learned how to play the drums for Whiplash. I didn't know he. Yeah, play and piano he played too. piano as a kid or as a young adult or something like that. So he just had to refresh. But all of that was really him playing the piano. Okay. See, this That's is cool. he's becoming more attractive. This is like what I look for. <laughs> Move over, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> We've like got a, Miles Teller. We got a matchmaking <laughs> service here. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, interesting. But no, you're right. I mean, obviously, some of it is to play up on the nostalgia factor in the film. But it's. I don't think it's also. It would make sense clinically that you see. Not only is he taking on the same profession as his father, but he literally has the same look and feel with the mustache, the facial mannerisms, part of his posture. There's certain ways he looked down. When he's playing the piano, his glasses are off his nose. Like they are so intentional about trying to mimic the image of his dad. And I think, like I said, some of it's nostalgia in the film, but I think some other parts of it are um, just the fact that that's not an unrealistic scenario. That someone could be like, I want to be this person because I never got to grow up with them. And yeah. so I kind of embody them based on the photos I have of them or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm, or I'm living off the stories that people have told me about this person. Yeah. 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 The, the theme that I thought about was like, okay, so I have this resentment, I have this guilt, um, but what do I do with it? Right. So forgiveness to me is the huge part of this film. And mm-hmm. because it applies to both situations, right? On one side, Rooster, um, something wrong has happened and he's, he's resentful. And ultimately in order for him to really work through that would need to forgive uh, Maverick, but vice versa, Maverick is holding on to so much of his guilt and responsibility that he also has to forgive, but it's forgiving himself. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is like, what do I do with that? You know, and, and, and the complicating factor to me is, and this is a real life scenario, like what, how do you find forgiveness when the, when the person that is involved in this is no longer here? Yep. Right. Sure. Or in some cases, especially of like trauma abuse, when they might be physically alive, but they're not safe to be around. Are they dependent mm-hmm. on the forgiveness process, right? And that's and it's there's a lot of documents and trainings that teach reconciliation, a major part of forgiveness. The problem is, is like either sometimes you can't get it, or sometimes it's incredibly unhealthy, right? You can't go back to that person, so it's like, well, then can I not get it? So there was this document I'd read years ago, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but it talked about the importance of finding release versus um, reconciliation as a component mm-hmm. of your forgiveness mm-hmm. journey. And, and they even touched on about that. You have to let go. You have to let go, you know, with, with Iceman in this film. But I just thought about like how important that is. And I've used this with a lot of clients who don't necessarily, you know, understand that they can get forgiveness because they think they have to reconcile with a person. I'm like, this can be a one-sided piece. I can let go of this and release either 
the resentment or the bitterness or the unforgiveness towards myself or towards the other person. Yes. In this case, they have a chance to reconcile together, mm-hmm. you know, because of that, that piece in the journey. But I just see that as the major component of for 30 years that we don't see Maverick, he is holding on to, I love that you use that term, the survivor's guilt. And also it's kept him stuck. And so a big part of his journey is, am I willing to forgive myself and no longer blame this as evidenced by the way I treat Rooster or am I going to hold him back because I'm afraid of loss because I still blame myself? Yeah, yeah. You see a piece of that when he shows up to the Academy and they're, they're like, we don't know what to do with you. Like you're still a captain and you could have been promoted all these years. Like you have an excellent record. Why, why are you still in the position that you're in? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we'll talk, yeah. I want to touch about that a little bit when you got into the characters, but Michael, are there any other themes that come out, uh, like jump out to you? Yeah, I just want to follow up real quick on what you just said. Uh, I, I once heard this actually, I used to attend these AA meetings that were super powerful. It was, it was almost kind of like a spiritual community, but it was also just people who had gone through, like you name it, kind of NAAA, whatever, kind of 12 steps incorporating like a lot of different things like that. Um, but one of the things that they said, and I, I just looked up the quote when you were talking, Rick, it reminded me of it. But forgiveness is like drinking poison yes. yourself and waiting for the other person to die. Oh, I gosh. love so, that quote. Yeah. That's what I was thinking yep. of. Yeah. yeah. So sort of that idea of like, right, uh, when you were saying that the, the other person might not be there to be able to, like, you tangibly forgive them or for them to be able to give you anything in return, right? Mm-hmm. So like, how do we do that on our own when we don't feel like we really have a, a mechanism to actually like, resolve that you know what I yeah. mean? so it's like getting at that which I, I think is so good and i think so often people just don't know what to do with it so they just hold on to it right mm-hmm. and it's yeah like, that's like one of those things it's like the tension the uh anger outbursts the impulsivity the um but it's not serving them all those yeah. things right exactly yeah. exactly so that was that was a big one yeah i was gonna say too even just i think that balancing of kind of like ambition ver- like personal ambition versus like being part of a team in a larger mission mm-hmm. we talked about like these are the best you know pilots right at all their respective i don't know schools or you know in their place right and then here they are coming together and it's like you know it, it sort of reminded me of um you see the movie miracle right with like yes hockey teams. yes <laughs> like they're all like these all-american hockey i've used players that at, like, in, the best with school. clients that movie wow. the, the speech because yeah. he loves that speech and we talk about changing your beliefs he tries to get everybody to say like usa like i i play for the united states of america i don't play for boston university anymore i don't play for like minnesota mm-hmm. duluth or whatever yeah it, it's sort of like that idea of like they all have these call signs but it's i mean a there's that like sort of you're part of something bigger than yourself but also like you're you're kind of as strong as the weakest link mm-hmm. you know what i mean so if one person screws up like bam you've got nobody watching out for you and like you're done like right. you're gonna get yeah. shot down like, think about that crew of four if they choose who's who admittedly in the film they show hangman is the better choice right he's the better pilot he's the better you know warrior essentially up in the air but Tom Cruise doesn't trust him, nor does anyone else on the team, because he's, at the end, a solo fighter. Yeah. Where he chooses Rooster, who's slower and more methodical and more cautious. But at the end of the day, who's the one that saved the day? Yeah. Right? And, and it's like, well... And they both do it in their own way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that is a really cool mo- moment yeah. for, for that character. But I think he learns also by hearing in the, 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 the kind of the radio dispatch stuff that, okay, I, I got to be out there and do, you know, do what I need to do. But he has these little moments in his way. But I think it is interesting. You're like, okay, if we're building a team, it's not about this, just all the superstars. Like, do we have the chemistry people? Mm-hmm. Do we have the right balance? So it's cool to see how he chose that team really specifically. Like, Phoenix was a glue person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Phoenix was a, like, in that scene with the bar where they're all playing pool, like, she's the social one that's, mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of 
interacting with people connecting and kind of them in, all. yeah connecting yeah. them all it's like it makes sense that she picked that he picks her and, and bob <laughs> right it's we we joked about doing a clinical deep dive into the character of bob um <laughs> there's not much so there much. but there's a lot <laughs> just the way his eyes move back and forth you can tell so much about him his drink order you can tell everything <laughs> he wears glasses which actually goes back to his childhood but, trauma yeah being, the color of his helmet yeah. really represents uh, also no um but so, so you see like he had to pick her because they needed someone to to bring the glue together, like the team together and, and just kind of be a glue person who doesn't have that massive ego like some of these other people do, right? Um, mm-hmm. The other small theme, I mean, it's, it's definitely there, but the thing that's kind of interesting worth touching on before we jump into the characters is just how much pride there is in this film in an unhealthy way. Yes. And like, you know, because it's like competition is good. Like that drives innovation and it drives creativity and it drives, you know, flourishing and accomplishment. But like, where does that cross the line from unhealthy or from healthy to unhealthy? Like, what do you guys think? Like, what's a healthy amount of pride and competitiveness, and where does that cross the line? Hmm. I think there's a difference between confidence and pride as well, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can have self-confidence and, like, self-assurance, and, like, I don't have to prove myself to other people or even, like, compare myself or be competitive towards somebody else because I can be assured in myself and, like, do the best I can uh, versus the I'm constantly, like, looking at somebody else or I'm trying to be better or what have you. So, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, and there can be a healthy way to do that of sort of like we all elevate each other by like competing and doing this thing together. But yeah, I like it can you, be divisive. Yeah. I like how you posit like both of those and kind of the difference. Like, what I think about like to delineate pride and confidence is pride is very fragile. It's very, um, I almost think of it as like self esteem versus like self compassion. Okay. Of like self esteem would be like the, the pride of like, um, I'm basing it on like my relationship, like to other people. Like I'm like judging myself. It's very comparison. It's very, um, achievement oriented. Like I do the thing or I don't, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I succeed mm-hmm. or I'm terrible, you know, like kind of black and white thinking versus like, um, confidence or like self-compassion would be like, I trust myself. I know I can do good. I know I can be good mm-hmm. and I'm still a good person inherently, no matter like if I succeed or fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's more of like the healthy level of what I think is more helpful. Right. Cause I mean, there, there can be like, I guess it makes me think about like, is the result, you know, like, uh, you know, does it justify the, 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 uh, means to the get means there? To get right. There, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, okay, so I'm the best at, but I steamrolled all these relationships, but I'm the best. Okay. That could be an unhealthy thing, but there's also like, okay, so what if the best was needed and they didn't necessarily steamroll all the relationships, but they didn't yet take the nicest, cleanest, path to get there is that okay right yeah. ultimately a lot of it can be very much driven by fear mm-hmm. um but is that a bad thing and with so like I, I go back to like i go to like michael jordan right it's kind of yes. a jerk to some of his teammates but they won six championships yeah so would the, are those not not i think michael jordan would always say it was worth it would those teammates say it was worth it mm-hmm. like especially some of the ones that he ridiculed and destroyed yeah. in practice but they got to win three rings and he's they're notorious and maybe made more money like that's a really complex question i think this movie about airplanes kind of also really dives yeah into. I, w- I was just gonna say i work with a, a few clients who either like you know they're in med school or law school or uh i know somebody who's in like kind of investment banking like i mean Kayla knows a few of those. Yeah, right. Some of your Wayne Wednesdays. Maybe you guys know each other. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you. Maybe it was Kayla. It's a very secretive. That's I right. can't tell you if I know. But I, I was going to say, a lot of people who are very achievement-oriented that tend to have a lot of, like, I, I'm finding, like, relational wreckage in their mm-hmm. in their lives. And, and not always. Again, this is, um, correlation is not perfect. But 
and and I think sometimes people ask themselves, is, is this worth it? Right? Like mm-hmm. I'm compromising all these other things to like be the best in my field to get the scores I need to do whatever. And right. Like who, who's to say that that is worth it or not worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause for somebody else, it, you know, I was just having a conversation with somebody last week, a client who was like, I'm the guy who can go out for drinks once a month with somebody and be totally fine. Great. That's like his social bar. And mm-hmm. like the rest of it is for him, like work, 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 go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go. And I'd be like, I'm miserable if I did yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. Or a lot of people I know, right? I mean, we're, we're relational people. We are therapists, right? So we, <laughs> we enjoy that, but you know what I mean? So I think some of it is, it depends on what one standard is. I would imagine that a lot of these top gun pilots are like, I will achieve at all costs. Mm-hmm. Like, or that this, this mission is, is, is worth it. Right, like, like John Ham. This is my whole life. Like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's all going towards. He's like, as this. long as the mission's done, you know, everything else is secondary. Yeah. Leave yeah. Maverick behind, and, and in that there was some humanity it, in that, but bring everybody home at his expense. Yeah, whatever. and yeah. that's that's what every like right. they would tell you that. Yeah, like, yeah. that makes sense. The, the, I guess so. The interesting thing, looking at, I think the way to wrap up this part would be looking at like Hangman. He's never going to be like all like buddy, buddy, buddy. Right, but he does show like a sense of social growth in the sense of rooting for the team. And like hearing the accomplishments of others, even though he didn't get chosen, he was still pulling for them. And then he comes and saves the day at the very yeah. end. Yeah. He's still kind of a jerk, but like he's a more of a team player jerk. So he's still a high accomplisher, high achieving, high prideful kind of person. Can we get that on like a cinema session sweatshirt? <laughs> team player jerk. <laughs> but yes. also like they don't they Do don't we have don't, any printers? Like <laughs> <laughs> they don't show it, but I mean it's kind of like you think about how he would have to get there. He probably had to reject a lot of the orders where they were like, Hangman, you can't go. Like but he had to kind of defy and choose mm-hmm. the team over his self-preservation. Yeah, they don't show that, but I, I bet but based on what they he, show yeah, that he did that. that yeah, they, yeah. And, which would show, again, he cares about people yeah. and he's still going to save the day, which he likes. Yeah. But it now was driven by people. And that's ultimately the balance is like, you know, like if it's so unbalanced, if I'm so relationship oriented, but nothing's ever getting done and I'm so deeply compassionate, but I'm ignoring my own needs and ignoring my own career or whatever, that might be unhealthy, just like it is. I'm only achieving and screw everyone around me. Mm-hmm. So you see everyone character-wise have those moments where they kind of grow in this film together as a part of the team, even though they're all very different personality-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of characters I wanted to dive into here. But the interesting thing about this film is, like, there's definitely a plenty of characters to dive into. I mean, we, we all wanted to pick Bob as our primary <laughs> character, of course, because so much de- The hero. The hero. The real hero. <laughs> the real hero of the day. Well, they, the, Literally the end credit driver. scene. You know how the Marvel movies have, like, the tag at the end? Yeah. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but in this case, they actually go back, and they all carry Bob on their shoulders, and it's like a slow motion montage of just everyone celebrating, and he's just up, and then they play a different version of a Lady Gaga song oh, over the back. Nice. It's amazing. It's like champagne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't think I got that at it. You should have stayed. You should mm-hmm. have stayed for the whole thing. It was at the very, very end. It might have actually been a different Like they film. turned the lights on and everyone left in their life. As they're like 10 we, minutes later. As they're we cleaning up all the popcorn. <laughs> then all of a sudden Bob comes back on film. In person, actually. He's cleaning the wow, theater by he's himself. busy. Man. <laughs> He, you know, like everyone has their different approach to marketing. He's just grassroots. Yeah. I yeah. want you to see his film. I'm Bob. That's a different approach. I'll help you clean up the popcorn. Uh, so, okay. So we've got the primary characters are Rooster and Maverick, right? There's some sub characters too, but the interesting is like the relationships, right? So we'll, we started off talking about Maverick and Rooster. Um, I, I think the, the thing that I find interesting is like, we, we, we touched on this a little bit, but I think going in deeper and we get like his, the thing I found interesting with Maverick was his um, career stalling out. Mm-hmm. Like, and it appears to be a choice. Uh, I don't want to become the se- was a second star ad- admiral or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
and and how the things that we talked about earlier, the survivor's guilt, the the lack of forgiveness around resentment, but also the fear of failure and the fear of unknown. Like I feel like when you've gone through something traumatic, like like he's gone through, and you can get stuck, but also you're like, why do something I don't know if I'll succeed at? when I can do this thing I'm amazing at and it brings me notoriety, even if I get in trouble for a little bit. And I think the film does a really good job showing that, but like, that's a real life thing that I have clients that I've talked to you about. Like, you know, like just like, I don't know what that would be like. So I, I want to avoid that at all costs because I don't know if I will succeed. Um, and maybe he is better suited to this. We talked about that a little bit, um, in a different episode about just like, what's a better role to, to, to be in like with, um, uh, Meg Ryan's character in you've got mail. Right. So like, okay, so maybe she's amazing at loving books, but she's not a great bookkeeper or she's not great at business. doesn't mean she can't live out her passion for books. So maybe that's the case in this, in this situation, but more likely it's, he's afraid to fail. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. see that constantly. He won't mm-hmm. let himself fail. He's a high achiever, but he might fail as an admiral. So why do that when I can stay a captain the rest of my life and be a really good captain? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was listening to a podcast recently and they were kind of talking about this idea and they were saying that, it's not the act of doing the thing that they're scared of. It's like the, the judgment, the criticism, like on the other mm-hmm. end of like, mm-hmm. so if I'm like, Oh, I want to be a writer. It's not writing the book that I'm scared of. It's what's happens when I, I make a book and is it good? And do people yeah. think it's good? And right, I have to put right. it out into the world. Like that's where the fear sets in. Like that's so uncertain, but I can, even though I'm not succeeding at like, it's really important for me to, you know, be a writer if that's your journey. But I, I know the comfort of living how I'm living right now. Yeah. And if he's needing comfort because of the trauma of losing goose and all that unresolved guilt and stuff, then he's needing something comfortable and safe and he's choosing to stay there because it's known and it's safe and he can succeed. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's great. Um, what about, mm-hmm. what about rooster? Like what stands out to you guys? I mean, obviously we talked a lot about his losses and stuff, but as a character, what stands out to you guys? Uh, Michael, like if you were to sit down and talk to Rooster, like what are some things that you would like to talk to him about? Yeah, that's a great question. I would probably try to get at like, why is he doing what he's doing? Cause he, he seems like, you know, we've all seen clients like this before who are kind of like, I don't want to say going through the motions, but doing stuff, but it's kind of like, okay, like have you, have you really sat back and like thought about why you're doing this or why this is important to you? Okay. So you want to be a pilot. You are clearly adept at this. You're good at it. Yeah. Um, but is this something like, you know, hey, there's a lot here with dad. Like, have you <laughs> thought about that, right? Like, or did you just early on say, like, I'm going to be a pilot. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's why it was so painful when your papers were held and, you know, you got delayed by four years or whatever. Like, what do you what do you have that's, A, not just that, and, like, not just career-focused, and then also, like, I would I would try to get at, the grief and loss of losing dad and, and mom, mm-hmm. but, and, and as well, like kind of why, why he's doing it. You know what I mean? Cause I, I think sometimes we can, and it, it, we're not the one like as therapists, we can't decide for our clients what's a good or, or not good reason to do something. Yeah. But I think just like yeah. exploring that with people of like, okay, like, so why is this meaningful for you? You know, like what would it, what would it mean for you to, to be a pilot and to, perform well it's clear that you've put a lot of effort into this you know like i, I just think sometimes people go through things kind of like oh it, like that's what i know how to do well because mm-hmm. somebody else did it because it makes a lot of money because xyz but it's like well is that what's actually going to lead to you being fulfilled yeah Question, you know what i mean and kind of getting at um some of that and it's and it's interesting too seeing him you know first scene he walks in the bar and 
he's so charismatic and he kind of brings people together. Like he's he's really got a giftedness yeah. at, at some of that. So I might explore too. Like you've got a lot here that might be not to say like don't be this ambitious pilot, but like you've got a lot to bring to it as well that you could you know, how are you leveraging and, and utilizing those things in the rest of your life too? Mm-hmm. You know, the and like how do those and, like the personal things of how when you bring people together, like how can you use that? Like if you still want to be a pilot, yeah, how yeah. could you bring that into your work? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing that came to mind with with him, it, you know, is like you said, you can't tell him like you shouldn't be a pilot or you should be yeah. a pilot, but like, okay, so have you thought through what your potential reaction might be should you run into Maverick again out in the field? Yeah, yeah. right, because it's like that. Clearly, it was like. Oh, it just deflates him in a very dangerous, high risk environment. You're not mentally as sharp as you should be. Yeah. That's, you know, so as a therapist, that's one of the things you like, okay, let's run through some role playing because this is clearly affecting you still. Mm-hmm. And we should anticipate some of these things to, to work through them so they can de- lose some of the grip that they have on you in case you are in battle or you have to, you know, fly with him. Right now, granted the, the movie shows them working through all that stuff. Right. But I mean, getting into the wilderness. I use that metaphor all the time with, uh, you know, like the, the teaching and, and stuff in the grief world of like embracing the wilderness aspect of your grief journey. And so mm-hmm. even it's not necessarily the wilderness, it's an enemy base, but like there's snow and there's trees and it's not sunny. So literally this relationship between rooster and Maverick is in the wilderness. They've got to, they're not leaving that place until they work through their stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so sometimes we have to go into the wilderness place, which is, painful and uncomfortable and pleasant and just kind of park there for a minute and not and rush it's the process. It's uncertain. We don't know it's the not outcome. Yeah. And so I like, that's so good, Rick. Yeah. I, I think that's a really powerful thing to do. So to, to help someone like rooster embrace the wilderness of that and, and then vice versa, same thing happens with Maverick. Like his initial instinct is to shove over rooster and be in control and dominate. But I loved, I was so glad I was waiting for it. I would have been so angry if they didn't give me that. But when at the very end, uh, I almost said Tom Hanks, <laughs> very different film. <laughs> The Meg Ryan component. When, when Tom it. Hanks yes. starts flying the planes, uh, when Tom Cruise goes in and says, thank you for saving my life. Oh. Like yeah. Rooster needed to hear that, but Tom Cruise needed to say that. What humility. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love that. He finally, yeah. and that's just that, that growth, but he wouldn't have said that had he not gone on his own wilderness journey. Sure. Right. And so I think that's what's really cool about showing like they had to be in that together to both work through that. Are there any other relationships that, that are interesting to, to kind of, you know, look at or, or kind of, you know, t- touch on for a minute or two in this, in this film? Kayla, is there anything else that comes to your mind? Yeah. I, I just love the, the arc of Rooster and Maverick together of just this. I, I think of this concept of found family and there's a lot of communities that have that. Um, like Michael mentioned AA earlier, like that's yeah, like yep, um, absolutely. substance uh, communities, but also like the military is also one and also like LGBTQ plus communities, mm-hmm. like this concept of like when you've lost family or you have family that are unwelcoming or not accepting of your, your life or culture or whatever, mm-hmm. um, whatever way that it happens. But Rooster and Maverick, this idea of like, they're both missing someone mm-hmm. like, Rooster makes a comment at some point of like, you don't have a family to go back to. Like, why do you care? Or something like he's just that very wounds like, him. You see the effect. Oh of yeah. yeah. And he's like, Oh, there, boy, like there's a reason I don't have a family, you know, like you, you see that in his expression. But so, uh, Maverick never had kids or a family for, for, for good reason from his perspective. And then Rooster lost his family. And so then they're like put in this environment, like, where they hate it, it's kind of like a gauntlet for mm-hmm. a little bit, or Rooster hates Maverick for a little bit. But then they have this combined mission, like we talked about, yeah. and they realize that they are family. Mm-hmm. Like they have something to 
go for and they realize that like especially like when maverick sacrifices him, himself for rooster mm-hmm. and he's like oh he put himself on the line for me like he cares about me even though i've hated him and i've been yeah. pretty awful to him because you see that emotional reaction to him yeah. to that moment and he's like no you know and then to then disobey orders to sacrifice your life and your career to go back and save to even you didn't even know you assume he's dead but to go look for the guy who just put his butt on line all of a sudden it, it does really emphasize that line that keeps saying don't think just you know just yeah. do and and doing at the end of the day his instinct was to go like this guy's a part of my life even though i you know my my brain is telling me all the reasons i should hate him at the end of the day this guy cares about me yeah, yeah, I think it's just one of the most beautiful sentiments of this concept of found family to think it doesn't mm-hmm. matter like what family you've come from, not to like minimize circumstances, but you can find family in unusual places, but you have to be willing to be a part of something. And open yourself up to it, right? Because if I'm exactly. so stuck on what I don't have anymore, I never open up myself for something new to experience a found family moment because I'm still stuck to what I don't have or resentful of what I don't have. And I think this picture does a great job of showing those two things. Um, man, I want to go watch this movie again <laughs> right, right now. Right? What again. are you guys doing right now? We got, uh, what's next? Michael, can you look up next show? I'll, I'll take you guys on the private jet and we'll watch it. Yeah, well, I, well that's a great idea. How fast is the <laughs> jet go? Uh, do you have a private F-18? Yes. I have it all. I have a fleet. <laughs> Does I am a peacock. You gotta let me fly. Get me in that plane. Fleet. I caught Fleetwood Mac. Oh, my gosh. fleet of planes. Can you? I was just gonna, Rumor like, has it. Are you ever allowed in the bat jet? You know. Oh, the bat. Oh man. Is there cool? That's, that's, that's gonna be for my to. Batman vampire crossover, or whatever that I, I get. love it. Can I, can I just bring up one really quick thing? Oh yeah, yeah. With with Iceman. So like they closed this arc on this character. It, okay. First and foremost, Val Kilmer, like Amazing. the actor. Um, you know, has cancer and mm-hmm. had throat cancer, right? Throat cancer, yep. And has had this whole, you know, there's a documentary about him. There's a very mm-hmm. public, um, I don't know, just more attention paid to to his personal journey. It, I just thought it was really beautiful the ways that they incorporated him into this film, and that you know, given the first Top Gun movie where he and Maverick are competing for so long, yeah, and yeah. like he he's almost more the Hangman character, Iceman is, and then uh, to see their arc and he's like he's uh, you know maverick is going to iceman at near the end of his life to uh, you know iceman's life to consult him like hey i think i got the situation i'm stuck right and that to me shows a lot of humility and he's willing to be like i don't know because yeah. he's so used to like i'm gonna go out i'm gonna do it i'm gonna like tackle my problems i'm gonna solve it yeah and instead he says no like i need i need help with this and he's able to like consult a friend like i just think their relationship is really beautiful I, I love kind of the, that arc and how they close that out um brought a ton of heart to this film yeah totally Which, if there was more time i'd love to unpack that because yeah. that conversation is amazing same yeah. thing with uh, penny and penny's daughter when when uh <sighs> tom cruise has to leave and, and she down. sees him you think oh. you're waiting for this funny moment and yeah. instead she goes just don't break your heart again you're like I know. oh gosh oh. so bad you know i gotta be honest i can't stop thinking every time we talk about Iceman. um oh no <laughs> all right everyone oh. He is an Iceman of a sort. I mean, we talked about merging Tom, you know, Tom Cruise films. What if we brought Iceman, the actual Mr. Freeze, well, into that role? Oddly what enough. killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! <laughs> also, <laughs> I love what that. You say? Uh, what do you have for us, Michael? <laughs> Tom Hanks. The fact that Val Kilmer plays Iceman, you know who else he played? Batman. Batman. Oh. In a previous Batman. You get nuts? Yes, he does. Not Come that on. one. Let's get nuts. Not that one, but a different Batman. Anyway, <laughs> it's all full circle. It's, it's all coming it's like, together. It's like when Michael Keaton played Birdman, 
and you're like, oh, this is like a referendum on yes. your whole life and career. What? Thanks it's so lot. meta. Bye. <laughs> okay. Rick, land us this plane. I'm going to land this plane. <laughs> well, we guys, Tommy was out to get out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go onto our Facebook group and join the conversation. We, we want to hear from you guys, hear your thoughts. What was your favorite theme from this film? Uh, how many times have you seen this movie already? Um, Did and- you weep? Did you weep profusely like we did? And, and then also we've got an Instagram page. You can f- look for those links in the show description. And, and make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well. We've got some interesting um, ideas that we're going to be floating out here soon as far as some additional content potentially. But we want to get your feedback, and, and we're ultimately trying to build a community here. So thanks again for listening to Cinema Sessions, and we will see you next time. All right, everyone. Chill. This is a one-woman show. I'm expressing my inner anguish through the majesty of soul! That's nice.